Hi, and welcome to Chatty AF, the anime feminist podcast. Welcome to the second episode of our watch-along of the shoujo series, Yona of the Dawn. My name is Caitlin, and I'm a writer and editor for Anime Feminist, as well as writing for The Daily Dot and my own blog, I Have a Heroin Problem. I'm joined today by Peter Phobian and special guest, Gabriella Ekins. Hello, I'm Gabriella Ekins. I've written for a few years for Anime News Network. You, I think my most highly trafficked stuff was like Unlimited Blade Works a few years ago. I did the Pop Team Epic Reviews last winter and that's the most recent notable stuff unless you're a religious shelf life reader and i'm peter phobian i'm an associate producer at crunchyroll and a contributor and editor at anime feminist so we are on we just watched episode 7 to 12 of yona of the dawn do you guys remember what your predictions were last time um i think i predict the chipmunk would show up and uh totally did so i knew what i was talking about <laughs> congratulations Thank you. I was pretty confident about that one. Gabba, did you make any? I don't remember, but I'm going to guess that I predicted that she'd begin accruing an anime harem. And that mm-hmm. did happen. Yeah. So Also true. Chipmunks yep. and reverse harems. Yeah. All right. You guys did good. You did good. I feel like there were a couple that I was sitting there smiling at because it's like, ha ha ha, that's not right. But I don't remember what they were. Um... <laughs> So next, this time I'll write yeah, down. You might want to write them down way, if you want to use them against us in the future. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that way I will crow about them next time. I believe Yona will die. Oh, damn. All right, there we go. That sounds that sounds like a prediction made in good yeah. faith, mm-hmm. an accurate and likely one. All right, so in these episodes seven to twelve, Yona uh, did survive her fall, and she met the prophetic priest Iksu and his young and brilliant caretaker Yoon um, and she Yoon joins Yona and Hawk as they go out to search for the dragons uh, and they the first one they meet is the white dragon Gija who has a giant monster claw um, and he of course joins the team and then they go and use his dragon powers to find the blue dragon and that is sort of where episode 12 leaves us Um, so I was, uh, looking at my manga and one of the, like, one of the most common complaints about Yona is that it's really slow paced. Like I remember even in the first episode we were talking about how like, and by first episode, I mean, first watch along episode, um, we were talking about how it takes a really, really long time for things to like actually get. Well, after the first episode. I think the first episode a lot happened. And then after that it slowed down. It, yeah, it slowed, like it slows down so quickly. Um, that is because I think most anime adaptations of manga they go like generally like one or two episodes per volume is my impression. But like the first six episodes are fully are two volumes. The next six episodes are one and a half volumes it is it is going at it is not just you it is going at a super slow pace and i have really mixed feelings because i can't think of too much that i would sit there like it all feels like it's character building like it is like a really like it's action driven and story driven but it also like very character driven but also like it does go so like 
very little gets accomplished in each episode sometimes and it feels really frustrating i don't know what do you guys think this seems like the type of show that i would be a little more into it if everything was like 1.5 times like a little more dense but that would also like break up sort of the even like episode counts <laughs> maybe if this was like 40 minute like hbo episodes that'd be better oh man hbo yon of the dawn would be that's called the uh, game of thrones yeah <laughs> I guess it does have, like, a little bit in common with Game of Thrones. Yeah, if it was just about Daenerys, I guess. Well, you know, the, the king dies, uh, you know, in the first episode. She's the chosen lady of the dragon. There's no incest so far, though. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess Yona and their... Yona and Suwon are related. Are they? But they're, they're cousins. Okay. That was normal back then, though, right? So... But no twin cest. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah so. Back then. Mm. so that is something I want to talk about, the uh, the divine mandate that seems to be becoming a big theme in the story. Yeah. That is yeah. No, well I, I I think we can get to that for sure. Actually, we can talk about it now. Yeah. I I never really thought about the divine mandate um as a part of the story, but like, yeah, go ahead, Peter. Mm. Uh well. I don't know. I don't know if this, this is like something that's been bothering me more recently because uh, I, I keep seeing it come up. But it and maybe it's just because it's contracted, it contrasted against Suwon, who's kind of like, I guess, trying to defy fate to do something that he believes is right. Um, I'm kind of I'm a little bit gray on what my point originally was. Uh, but he, he uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been a it's been a week or two. Let me see. He kind of um, there's the you know, the big prophecy about the ruler coming down from heaven and helping everybody out but i guess i, I don't know it's because su Wan, it, the way he's acting it doesn't seem like that's working out like he feels like he has to be in charge to run the country properly i guess it's because of like the foreign threat or something because uh, it seems like he didn't betray the king because he wanted the power he wanted the power so that he could run the country in a way where they wouldn't be under threat of like foreign attacks is, am i getting that right um, he seems unhappy with the way the, the country was being run yes, he felt like yes, it was going to destroy is, yes. the country right yes so he's i'd say that seems like what's happening yeah again. so he he obviously has like it, it seems like altruistic motivations for what he did and but then you have like this uh, what do you call that the d- divine rulership right so he's breaking that because he thinks that the ruler's inept uh, despite the fact that they're they have the divine mandate, and now there's this whole like, but Yona was ordained by the gods to come back in and run the country, and there's nothing you can do about it. So I don't know if that's going to come to a head later, but it seems like um, maybe there's a problem with this whole divine mandated rule type thing because the leader isn't always great. Although then they have this third storyline running with the fact that her dad actually wasn't that bad. I guess it's because we don't know a lot about what's happening outside the country or, like, what happened previously between their fathers. Right. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely, like, the divine mandate sort of thing is, I guess, it's kind I never really thought about it, but I guess it is kind of, like, anti-revolutionary, right? Like, it's it's a popular fictional trope, but, like, the whole thing is that, like, king ill wasn't doing a very good job as king 
And um, so Suvon did what he felt like he had to do and killed him. Um, and but since Yona, even though Yona was spoiled and didn't know anything about anything she was on track to become ruler of the country and she um and even if she's learning now like if it hadn't happened then like she would have had that divine right yeah i'm i'm interested now if this show is gonna like do anything commentated on that or if it's just gonna be like fun adventure that's a little like mixed messages and all that front I'd be fine either way, but it would be cool if we get one of those shows that's, like, actually commenting on sort of the drama of and the thematics of, like, who should rule? Should, is, can Yona, like, atone for this? Was Suwon in the right? Things like that. Mm-hmm. I think they definitely did show yeah. that uh, Suwon has jumped the gun, since if he'd waited, like, a day, he might have become king anyway. Because, uh, uh <laughs> Yona was going to convince her father to let them get married, right? Well, she was going to try, but it's, it was shown that, like, King Il is pretty stubborn himself. Yeah, yeah, uh, So, So, I mean, it was a maybe, but definitely uh, that, that would have maybe been the first thing to try rather than uh, regicide. Um, that would usually be the right. last option on my, like, my flowchart of possible ways to wrest control of a kingdom. Uh, so he's definitely a, a, a jump-the-gun type, right? So that might be kind of setting the groundwork for why he maybe isn't a great ruler because he he definitely jumped to the the worst thing you can do first right didn't something happen too between the brothers we got like hints of that i don't remember if it was like stated clearly um it's it's not clear exactly what happened but um by all expectations suwon should have been the crown prince like his father was the older brother. Um, he was a like a war hero um, and a powerful leader. And for some reason, like their grandfather chose the um, chose king chose ill to inherit the throne instead of Suwon's dad. So I guess a lot of like the the divine mandate, who's right type of thing, really kind of relies on how they reveal the backstory regarding whether her dad was a good person or a bad person, since they've given us hints that he was one of the other right um and these are things that i honestly i don't have answers for like uh this has not been addressed in the manga so far i don't know if it will be addressed um but it does sort of address yona's need to learn about her country and learn about what is going on um which is which i really appreciate she's not just the the deposed princess but she is like has to learn she is learning how to be a leader as she and learning about her country as she goes out and finds these dragons like she meets um yun and iksu and she learns that they were facing this like terrible famine not too long ago yeah, it seems she's sheltered too. So a lot of this stuff, I think they're trying to give us Yona's perspective and she didn't know shit because the only thing she really was paying attention to was whether her hair looked good or not for Suwon before. So she's probably going to learn. Her unruly and unusual red hair. Yeah. yeah. So she's going to learn a lot about. splendorous orbs. Yeah, good <laughs> eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sorry but about that. It's not as good as the Blue Dragon's Wondrous yeah. Orbs. So we're probably going to get like uh, her like finding out that maybe the kingdom isn't having fun all the time like she is. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like we do start to see Yona's development in this in this stretch of episodes. Um, like her starting to learn archery. Yeah, which gives Hawk a boner. Yeah, yeah, yeah stirs his desires. <laughs> he's like, she almost like shoots him in the face, and he's like, he like hugs her, and he's like, oh, I want to do more, but we should go. Hey, this is Peter from the future, and no joke, this is the last thing Gabriella said before her recording cut out. She stayed on the call, so the episode was finished, and at this point, it would be really awkward to go back and re-record the second episode when we've already recorded basically the rest of the series. To keep the watch along moving, we decided to put out the cast with just the audio from Caitlin and myself, edited my very best to keep out moments where we ask Gabriella what she thinks and there's an awkward silence. Apologies for the inconvenience, and hopefully you'll get episode three and four without any issues. So without further ado, the rest of the cast, beginning with Caitlin and my own reaction to Gabriella's comment. Yeah, you're definitely uh, you're getting kind of uh, mixed signals from Hawk, right? Well, I, I put up an image set or something. He, he, he said, think of me as a tool or something like that. He's, he just really wants her to dom him is what I'm getting here. This is a shoujo series and I appreciate it being like low-key horny. Like, like romance isn't at the, the forefront of the uh, conflict, but like it is not subtle about Hawk not just being in love with Yona, but being like kind of like turned on by by her and by her growth and yona has no fucking clue yeah. it would be uh it would, the series would be a lot hornier if he was brave enough to say something but uh it we we're just like let into his uh horrible thoughts <laughs> while he remains stoic yeah i honestly oh. don't know why he's thought of as a, a jerk maybe a stuff that happens later maybe people don't appreciate um... him even thinking some of that stuff it's it's mostly him being like rude and teasing her. I think I don't know. I'm sure people will will uh, explain it in the comments uh, about why Hawk is actually terrible, um, and possibly some of them will explain why we're terrible person people for not and terrible feminists for not seeing why Hawk is terrible. I don't know. No, but I do I do enjoy her relationship with Hawk. Hawk's just I mean Hawk's just kind of a butt in general. Like he teases Gija all the time. But one scene I really appreciated was her, um, the scene of her practicing archery at night. She doesn't just pick up a bow and arrow and all of a sudden she's a cool warrior princess. Like she works so, she works so hard. Training. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, low key. Yes. Like we don't get the whole, like, I'm going to do this special thing to, um, to learn how to do this. But like we, she like has to like really really work for it because it doesn't come naturally to her unlike hawk oh i just kind of do it okay thanks very helpful she realizes that she this is who she needs to be and so she puts in an incredible amount of effort to do it this show definitely excels at like character growth and uh speaking of character growth we met a few new characters this time around, didn't we? But first she meets um, Iksu and Yoon and uh, learns from them about how real people live. 
like starving to death. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, I really like Yoon. I, I like how he is egotistical and arrogant, but he is also like really driven by, um, he's, he, he's driven by like, ca- like a caring, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Nurturing. Like he's a really nurturing person. Contrast it some with a lot of these similar shows and like a lot of them are just different varieties of jerks. Whereas like Hawk's the only real butthole of the bunch. Yeah. I don't know. Keisha yeah. was kind of a jerk just very indirectly. Like he wanted to be the only one to protect the owner or whatever, so he Yeah, yeah that's that's a, a shitty attitude, I think, kind of in the way he's thinking about his relationship with Yona that he doesn't really he, that he just sort of takes out on every other character kind of yeah no that's true Kija is kind of yeah no you're right Kija is actually kind of a butt he's actually probably one of the least popular characters this is a show that does not a story that doesn't really care about like gender roles and masculinity like it doesn't feel like it's going to be like okay well now I'm going to send these things up but like it's not concerned about like keep like Yona being feminine, um, being the feminine character. Um, like probably the most feminine character is Yoon. He's the healer. The one who has all the practical skills that everybody else lacks because they're either an idiot or they just know how to kill people. Right. Like yeah. th- I mean, this is like this is all very true. Like he <laughs> he is the only one who knows how to like t- do chores or like cook or like take care of himself in general like because like yona and hawk had and kija had like servants to do all that stuff right like and i like how with yuna they got it out of the way pretty quickly where it's like she's like yeah i was bothered by the bugs at first but like now i don't even care you get used to it like the prissy one like that's that's the word to describe kija is he's prissy like is is a guy um and even though he's prissy, he's also extremely powerful and will, like, slap you with his giant fucking dragon monster <laughs> Big hand. hand. <laughs> Big hand. That's really weird power. Because <laughs> they have dr- dragon parts. He's got the dragon's hand. Yeah, man, his town was weird, too. Yeah, like, everyone had, like, the same hair color. They like... all had a type, too. I was mm-hmm. like, hey, did you know her hair's red? It's like, what do you need me to do? This red-haired girl. Well, what's the deal? So I guess, uh, what's his name? Shinna or something like that. Shinna. Oh, he doesn't have a name yet. Spoilers. Oh, okay, my bad. Uh, he, like, paralyzes people by looking at them. So they wear masks so they won't randomly get paralyzed, even though they also told him to get nowhere near them. I don't remember if they explained a thing with okay. the masks. It's exactly. like some high-key paranoia there. His, yeah, his whole town is like... It, it It's kind of a contrast between, like, Kija's town and uh, Blue Dragon's town, right? Like in the White Dragon Village, they all wor- like they worship him. He's he's basically a prince. Um, they keep throwing like women at him. He has a bajillion servants. Like he is spoiled beyond belief. And in um, Blue Dragonville, he is. Uh, super stigmatized yeah. of course this turns out with kija being spoiled and blue dragon being very sweet but also terrified of people afraid of love i love i love the blue dragon he's he's such a good boy he's so sweet now that's a spoiler because he hasn't done anything yet. 
No, he's he, you see in his backstory, and he helps Yona. He's a sweet boy. Uh, I guess he helps her find her way out of the cave. Yeah. I don't understand what like the deal with that is, because I, I guess they recognize that she's the 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 red haired Yona, right? The the rightful ruler. It seems like they have no awareness. Yeah. Like the other town knew what the dragon was and that he had to serve Yona. But the Blue Dragon Village, I don't even know if they're aware of that. Like, was that just lost to generations or something? Right. Well, I mean, because they recognized that uh, the Blue Dragon was the Blue Dragon at birth. And it was such a disgrace that his mom killed herself. I remember they said in the legend, like, the the leader died and then they kind of, like, went to the four winds, like, until they got called again. If it's just whoever's, like, the next and the line for the throne would be the next leader, right? Couldn't they just stick around and continue being servants rather than like ending up out in the boonies where like the meaning of their legends could get slowly lost to history and people would become, start to revile them for their power. Like you imagine like your, your four greatest warriors and their families might stick around in the palace and just continue serving whoever's the next divinely mandated ruler, right? Unless they had a good reason to break up. Like there, it is, it definitely seems to be like a sort of divine thing. Like this country's in such a mess that it's time for King, for King Hiryu to, um, I don't know if it's like reincarnation, but for his, like someone with his spirit to come along and grow, become a leader and gather the four dragons and, um, and fix the country. But, so I think what we're getting is like there is a, a lot going on with this whole like Arthurian legend that she has like behind her bloodline and the fact that it shows now to like like she's she's like the, the nexus of all this stuff coming back together again and some of it is potentially problematic so there's like a lot of like kind of ground that could be tilled here or maybe not. Uh, in terms of um, like whether the divine mandate is good or bad, uh, why now when obviously the country wasn't going that great before? Was it just because the leader was deposed? Does the person come back to ensure the leadership continues or to save the country? Uh, and like the reason they split up the the dragons, whether it was just a narrative contrivance of the has to go on the quest, or if there was an actual reason that they had to not hang around the the palace and like let things get as bad as they were. So I have a theory. All right. And it's not spoilers because it's nothing confirmed and it's I just thought of it now. Okay. Oh, wow. Um and it's only and it's based on information that's all been revealed so far. So I have I have a theory that um the kingdom was already not doing super great. The reason that King Il inherited the throne might have been Yona was already born, because I don't think Il was king for very long. Um, but Yona was already born, and they saw the red hair. His they saw the red hair, and they're like, "This is the inheritor of she like she is the inheritor of the king spirit of King Hiryu, so she needs to be on track to someday become ruler." Um, but it is also, the story is regarded by most to be a children's, like a legend. It's not taken seriously as historical fact. 
um, by most people. Um, like, I think Yona says that, like, oh, that's that's just, you know, a, a story that we read. Um, How isolated are these uh, tribes, though? There's, like, a dude walking around with a giant dragon claw. I mean, <laughs> it was, like, the you know, you saw it's a very mountainous region. Like, things can get pretty, like, isolated then. Like, it's not like you had... Um, easy ways to communicate between villages. Like, I think it would be pretty simple for a place to like start being pretty isolated. Um, so like, I don't know. That's my theory, but like, and, and I think it is like the world, the world is more developed than, um, a lot than a lot of these, um, sort of series. Like, uh, like the easy comparison is Fushigi Yugi. Um, a lot of people compare those these two series, um, and I don't know any hardly anything at all about the countries where um, where that series took place. Like I don't know anything about the Konan Empire. I don't know everything anything about the Kudo Empire. But like I really feel like I am learning a lot about uh, Koka and what's going on in Koka. Um, and like the different tribes have like kind of different cultures, um, but they are all like within a single like within a single nation. Um, so like we can you can see the difference between the wind tribe and the fire tribe, um, but uh, the the world is so much more developed, and I think that. And yeah, the character, the character driven parts, the characters feel like very, um, very human. Uh, and I think those are really what sets this series apart. Yeah. I mean, we already kind of seems, uh, I don't know. I'm not up to stuff on my Korean mythology or anything, but it's definitely got some notes of Arthurian legend in here. So it's definitely drawing on, you know, kind of existing myths. It's just the characters that put that it decided, or the author decided to put into it, are very uh, memorable. So, and I think it's fine to retell stories like that so long as you make the characters interesting or put another twist on it or something. So that's what separates you and I, I guess. I wonder if there's a similar Korean myth. Stories like that tend to recur in like a lot of different places. I have I have a question though, and you can anybody can pop okay. in and answer this if they want. So Suno. Uh, Yona's dad doesn't want her to be able to fight or marry the man that she wants, so he kills right. her dad, who's stopping her from doing living freely right. in the way that so she wants. Mean yeah, Su-Wan. Su-Wan. So is that feminist? For fuck's sake. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, he's he's tearing down the patriarchy, and now she's fighting and she's dating Hawk. So for fuck's sake, Peter, Yona's not dating anyone. She doesn't have time for that. Um, okay. Well, I don't know. They're, She's more important things to worry about. They're, I think they're starting <laughs> to get into some kinky stuff, though. So It's all on Hawk right now. You ever, like... You know, has bigger fish to fry. Been, like, knee-deep in kink and just completely unaware of it. That's Yona. <laughs> yeah. No, she's the, the naive person who, like, does not realize what she's doing at all. He doesn't do anything to betray her trust in her. Because she trusts her... She... He... She trusts him so implicitly, even if he's kind of a butt and jokes about groping her while she is in a bag. 
Um, I think that's that's something else about that Hawk does that have has people saying like, oh, he's a jerk. He's a, an abusive, an abusive figure is like he got handsy while she was in the bag and that's not good. I don't want to downplay that. Well, they both talk shit, though. I feel like that's just their relationship. I've met people like that who yeah. just, like, you'd think that they hated each other if they didn't hang out all the time. Um, some people yeah. just like ribbing each other constantly. And if it, I don't know, from my pers- my, my I this is just my perspective, so, like, you can tell me if you disagree, but I feel like it's pretty even between them. I like the, I mean, as long as it's a give, a give and take, um, and they're more or less equal in power, or if the woman is slightly more powerful, just as long as the guy's not more powerful. But anyway, like, I can see, like, why people get upset about that scene. I don't want to dismiss that, like, um, and that's, like, I don't, yeah, no, I don't want to dismiss that. Um, I agree that that is not a good look, um, that he is doing that, and it is not okay, and it's not cool. Um... But also, like, I pick my battles. Um, I can understand, like, why pe- that would have people, like, totally turned off of him as a character. Um, but I still, I still like him, and I still like their general relationship, you know, uh, without trying, while still trying not to be dismissive of that. Wait, uh, who was, st- okay, there, there's one thing... We didn't really talk about uh, was it Ixu, the guy who could literally talk to yeah talk Ixu. to God, I guess. Uh, yeah. And I, is there an established God in this? I don't quite get that. So the, there were like the dragons came down from heaven, right? And one and one lived as a human, and then ended up becoming the ruler of the humans. Then the other dragons got lonely, followed that dragon down, and became his like divine warriors, right? So I'm getting that right. I feel like that's. And God, I hope I'm not, like, saying something totally incorrect and wrong, but, like, in a lot of polytheistic uh, religions, um, it's almost like the different gods are, like, one, like, different aspects of a single figure. Like, um, I mean, it's like, people will talk about, like, all the different gods, and then they'll talk about, like, the Kami-sama. I don't know. I'm talking out my ass right now. It's, 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 you know, it's not like the Christian God, you know, um, it is a, uh, con- convenient device. Um, but yeah, it also does go back to the divine rule. Like, like Yona, Yona is the divine ruler, like the, uh, the, um, higher powers are like on her side. She is the chosen one. Um, but going back to Suwan, does Suwan, not knowing that, does that make him the bad guy? And I, but I do think there is an ambiguity to, to Suwan. I think he has the best motivations in mind. He just kind of, you know, is on the, a different side than our protagonist. Yeah, I mean, I I think they made it pretty clear that his motivations were not necessarily bad. He just, uh, his means were murder. <laughs> cool motive, still murder. How many things can I quote in this podcast episode? I didn't care. Get deep in there though. So, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, there there's definitely that one of the I think 
in addition to it kind of being a rote fantasy uh, and having interesting characters, I think it's also kind of, it's at least hedging uh, whether, you know, like, about the morality a lot of these characters are approaching it with and who... And it's not really saying who might be right, although it's really kind of... I don't know. It would be interesting if at the end it's like, okay, well, does it really matter what God wants for the country? Is it important what the country wants for the country? Something like that. I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping it takes that direction because that's that. I guess that would be like the most ambitious thing the story could do. It's saying like, even if Yona is the divine, like the divinely chosen ruler, Suwon is is the one who is taking the reins and fixing things, sort of thing. Yeah, and I mean, she's obviously got some like some charisma. She's already got the royal hockey, so the royal hockey. What? It's a you know, hockey is a, a thing in One Piece. Royal hockey, you can make everybody like bend the knee. To oh you. right, that uh, that again. Yeah, I'm gonna keep making that joke, so just buckle in, I guess. But uh, so I mean, she obviously has potential as an individual, but yeah, they they never educated her on on any of the important stuff. You probably need to know if you wanted to be a good bureaucrat or ruler. So mm-hmm. maybe she'll learn that in the forest. I don't know. I'm pretty sure Yoon could teach her all about that. He seems to know everything, so he just he he is able to he he can pick up a book and understand it and completely remember it. Yeah. Oh, does he have eidetic memory? I don't I didn't write that down. Yes, oh, yes, he does. Yeah, that's pretty important. It is. Yeah, no, that's established. Um, Damn, straight up, just like destiny handed her a bureaucrat to handle like the country's economy. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, he's uh, brilliant and kind of arrogant. But also a, a sweet, sweet boy who loves his his foster father. Who I, is probably just dead in the forest now because <laughs> he didn't seem to do too well without <laughs> you around. He was completely incapable of taking care yeah, of Yeah, when they did leave, I was like, well, I guess Ixu's dead because <laughs> he like couldn't walk down the street without almost dying before. But he's like, no, leave me. I'll be fine. Live your life. Like, that's very generous. I'll be okay. He's sacrificing his life right now. I didn't fall off the cliff this time. (laughs) But that was, you know, I mean, I thought that was, like, one of the, like, sadder parts of the series so far is when Yoon realized that, like, Iksu is trying to make him leave. Um, Because Iksu knows that Yoon has a greater purpose in life than just taking care of this, than just taking care of this one person. But, like, Yoon loves him. He doesn't want to go. <laughs> if he's still if he's still alive, they could probably you know post him up. Yeah, but this yeah th- I mean th- and this goes back to like what we were talking about with like this show kind of plays with gender roles. Is that like is Yoon is? Um, oh, he's the the cute. He is clumsy he, moe. No, <laughs> he's just someone. He's someone who cares. He like he cares for other people and like. They got over, and, like, Yona doesn't care about bugs anymore. Yeah. But Kija sure does. Um, instead of, like, Yona being the prissy princess for the whole way. So, yeah, like, I, I really enjoy it, like, how it's this very sort of casual, like, disregard for, like, gendered expectations. They're not just, like, the, the pre-molded archetypes. Like, they have some complexity beyond, like, their prescribed roles. It's cool. Uh, it, it, it's really exciting to see. We should start wrapping up. Do you guys have any more predictions? I'm going to make a note of it now. Well, I think she's probably going to finish her collection for sure. 
I think it's gonna. Uh, I will predict because uh, I want to make uh, kind of an ambitious prediction that it is actually going to uh, examine the idea of a divine mandate of rulership, and um, maybe Yona specifically will have to ask some questions about whether that sort of thing is just, and whether Sun Wu is a good ruler because I feel like that's something that you would do in the as the plot turns into the second half. So that's my prediction. You write that down, right. Caitlin. Okay, final prediction. The chipmunk's voice actor is Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yon and the Don. Uh, All right. <laughs> private Eye. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Detective jokers. <laughs> I'm writing everything down so you know. Um, all right. So that concludes our second episode of the Yona of the Dawn uh, Watch Along podcast. Uh, thanks for to Peter and Gabo for coming along. Uh, if you like the show, uh, go to check us out on our website, animefeminist.com. And if you really like uh, like us, check out our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash animefeminist. We have some really ambitious projects that we would love to do to grow as a website. And we need some financial support for that. Every And every little bit helps. You can also check out our Twitter, twitter.com slash animefeminist, our Tumblr, Tumblr, uh, animefeminist.tumblr.com. And on Facebook, uh, Facebook dot com slash anime femme thanks for listening everyone uh have a great whatever <laughs> like, i always fuck up the sign off so, you got it <laughs>